search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome, BBCers, to a, another episode, episode 143. We got uh, Coach uh, Nathan Mott and Coach Curtis here today. I'm going to start today with a special story. This is going to be quite long, but I promise you guys it's it's uh, it's well worth the listen. To give it a little bit of context, um, Reborn, he is a long-term MLA member. Some of the themes that we explore on this on this podcast are process, I guess. You uh, love process. Ta- like lack of talent. That, mm-hmm. that you know you don't need talent and hard work and, and the importance of hard work, determination. Um, Developing a growth mindset. Um, so bear with me. It's going to be a long one. And then we're going to explore this. So he says here, so I guess I'll start by sharing some facts about me. I was very competitive in high school and the people around me seemed very smart, talented and outgoing. I, and I compared myself to my friends and I set high standards for myself. More importantly, I looked up to my peers. I wanted to be recognized and acknowledged by them. And I think it's very normal. We all want to be somewhat recognized by people around us. From a young age, I was insecure about my appearance. In high school, I was about five foot two, had a high pitched voice and sounded like a middle schooler. I felt like I needed to be good at something to get people to take me seriously. For that reason, he pursued a bunch of like advanced classes and things like that. And he thought by surrounding himself with these people and trying to be smart, then he would, you know, be recognized essentially, right? And that's a very normal high school experience, right? The teenage, you know, self-awareness kicks in and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, what is everyone thinking of me and stuff? So that's very normal. Yep. And essentially, League of Legends was quite popular in his school. So he also uh, picked up League of Legends during this time as well. I think that's really cool to have League popular in your school. Like, I'm, I'm really envious of that. To, to connect with people with. And, you know, you get the whole ranking experience, like the competitive side of it. Because we, in our high school, it was literally just like me, you, and like a couple yeah, of other like two other people. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even know that you played. We're yeah, like because closet it wasn't really, games. Because it wasn't, it was all closet gamers. Yeah. yeah. No one really spoke about games in that no. way, right? Yeah. Um, and anyway, he also competed in some competitive extracurricular activities like chess and debate, but he didn't really do well in them. His school's debate team was one of the best though, ranked seventh in the nation. He was part of that club and did the 2v2 format of debate, a debate and so everyone had partners. His partner and, and, and him went 0-4, right? Zero wins, four losses, or 1-3 for the vast majority of the tournaments we attended during ninth and 10th grade, while the other pairs from our school frequently qualified past the preliminaries, at least going 3-1. and one. Uh, We were also one of the few pairs that didn't win enough rounds during 10th grade to qualify for the varsity state level tournament towards the end of the year, which was a significant goal for us debaters. Um, While everyone was out of town for state, including my coach, my partner and I spent the debate class idling in the deserted room. I admired the debaters at my school. They were amazing people and they were a lot more skilled than me, my upperclassmen as well as people in, in my below grade, below his grade. But I had imposter syndrome and, uh, as a member on the team. There were times in the class where people would share jokes and I pretended to laugh along with everyone else. But in truth, I didn't really understand the joke and I felt dumb. I spent most of my time, spent most of his time sitting alone in a corner working by himself. He wanted to ask the others for advice, but I felt like a burden and could not build up the courage to approach them. Despite time, experience, and practice, I never really made any progress. Even so, I kept at it because I really wanted to improve and earn the respect of my teammates. 
I wanted them to look at me and smile in the same way they looked at each other. Given the poor track record of my partner and I, partner and I even breaking past preliminaries once by going three and one was a goal I felt was enough to get them to notice, but we could never do it. He could never just get past that initial stage, not even once. Over time, I grew more and more frustrated and blamed external factors for my lack of results. I felt judges didn't take me seriously because of my appearance. In rounds, I felt like a little child trying to say something important to an adult only to be met with a remark about how cute I was. I also started blaming my partner because he barely prepped the topics, messed around in class, skipped practice, and only showed up for the tournaments. He had told me that he pretty much BSs his speeches but tries to sound confident to get the judges on his side. The judges would actually give him better speaker points than me at the tournaments, which was an indicator of how well someone contributed to their side on the round. It disappointed me because I was the one who researched all of our arguments, did the case writing, and attended after-school practice. I put in way more effort, and I wanted it much more than him, and he never even took debate seriously, yet why was he the one that was given the better results? Nobody seemed to care about that, and it didn't seem to matter. The system felt unfair, and I would think to myself, is this the reward that I get for trying? As so you- that's already starting yeah. to the circuits. You know, you're not getting, you know... The, not getting the, rewarded. Yeah. The times I felt the most hopeful and confident were the most crushing. I remember this one tournament where I was really happy with our performance in a round, and I thought for sure we had won. So he bolted out of the room, found his coach, and asked him if he knew the result. Um, he, and the coach said, I do, but I don't want to distract you from the rest of the tournament. Later in the day, I found out that we actually went one and three, that tournament, and the one win wasn't even from that round. My smile faded away, and for some reason, getting that one free win felt worse than going zero four. So we got a win, but it was like not the one he inspected. Yeah. You know what this reminds me of? So about the whole effort and reward and learning this from a, a, a getting it distorted at a young age. Remember that story of that... Um, uh, that guy, I think it was sorry. I think it was. Uh, well, I think it was like Nick or something from Soul Two, and mm. he had that friend, Overwatch friend, who was just really, really, who just didn't try, and it was just really good. Yeah. And that's what he started believing the talent because he would play Overwatch, go over to his house, play Overwatch on the Xbox, and he was already high, high ranked. And, but he never tried, and he was just always better. And he tried really hard, and that's sort of from a young age started wiring the brain in terms of oh, people are just talented. Like there is no such thing as and there's no point in me effort in because I won't get rewarded because these people always beat me. What's the point? Yeah. And the other thing as well is that uh, the other thing as well, you know, talking about the confidence, you know how it's like that guy has worse arguments, but just more confident. Mm. Okay. You know that, remember, you know that, uh, is it Catch Me If You Can? That one with Leonardo DiCaprio? Remember that scene where he gets caught by Tom Hanks, the FBI guy? And then he's confident in his body language. Everything pretends like, like, yeah, everything's okay. Like he's like the part of the secret service, and he's. It reminds me of that scene there. Like the um, Frank Abigail was yeah, that's right character uh leonardo dicaprio played it's just pure body language and stuff like that confidence and and again it's like sort of thinking like you know these are actually the skills like if you do that skill the confidence thing and have good argument you know you sometimes it's very easy to and i find this in league of legends as well is that they people like really harp on like oh this, my let's say my game knowledge is really important but they disrespect the execution of the game and stuff like that that's like the same thing in terms of you know let's say in terms of the debate like he he doesn't view confidence talking really confidently as, skill. as important as the actual message. Right. You know what I mean? So you you're can, saying like, that's like them. equivalent to the execution of, yeah. you can have the theory and the understanding, but if you don't have the execution, it won't really matter. That's right. League, right? Yeah. So, the same so, so people put way 
things too much and we actually you know the, these other things are really important so it's part and some people get frustrated that's an aspect of the game right because there's not really mentioned as much or no. you think it's all theory and like understanding it but the execution is equally important to the understanding it it's like going down the reddit analyst rabbit hole right. type stuff you know yeah you, know, you and, can go and, on reddit threads and discuss the game and sound really smart and all that sort of stuff but really you're missing that you know the, again the, the comparison the confidence aspect which is this is but then also as well aspect. in league confident league is a confidence game like you can kind of fake it till you make it in a lot of aspects in league yeah right you you can kind of just be del- what we spoke about it is borderline delusional about your level of play play confidently confidently doing the wrong thing sometimes is better than doing the right thing not mm. confidently right we mentioned that many many times but that caps you out at a certain point. That's right. You're capped eventually. It catches up to you. And then because you can go the other direction where you overthink things. You know, people that... Some people come to our coaching, coaching programs, they get over-bombarded with all this knowledge and then they lose so much confidence because they realize how many mistakes they're making. The blissful ignorance, we say, is actually really helpful sometimes in leagues. So you've got to be careful. And that's how we can make people line. worse sometimes. Yes, we do we make can people overwhelm. worse. A coach, you've got to be very careful. Sometimes you can overwhelm a client, give them too many things and... And make them worse. Because if you don't isolate skills and you don't get very specific and you bombard them with a trillion things, they can, and they don't really know how to compartmentalize, they're going to, they're going to go backwards and do everything worse. Yep. Because then they're just, their confidence is just shattered as well. That's right. And then they can't even improve because they have zero confidence. And you can't even do the things that you knew before well because then your confidence is gone. Your yeah. execution is gone. Yeah. It's a yeah. very slippery slope. So you can already start to see the themes yeah. really getting exposed here. So... So these experiences acted as reminders to not get my hope up because the pain of hoping and failing felt worse than not having tried at all. The defense mechanism. That's right. Don't try it all. There was no, there's no pain. Don't That's try right. it all. That's right. Because if I don't expose myself, then, you know, I don't get that. Yeah, I'm not getting my hopes up. That's a great one that you'll hear. Think about how many friends that you might have in league or you've heard this mentioned before. And it's like, oh, I could get higher rank, but nah, like, you know, let's just whatever league. The, the community is toxic and stuff like that. These things are actually, in a way, defense mechanisms sometimes. I would say that is the most common defense mechanism. Super common, right? I'm not going to try to climb in league because then if I, cause if I try and rank up and actually fail, I'll be exposed to my whole friendship group. And that is why you, uh, if you climb in your friendship group, you're actually met a lot of the time with a lot more, or you're trying, you're met with more resistance resistance than support because mm. it's intimidating. Because if you're that, if you're trying, then to them, it's like, wait, what the hell? I should be trying as well, but they don't want to face that. They don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, it's a really, really insane d- defense mechanism. And you can also just get mocked and stuff. Let's say if your friends are high elo than you and you're the one trying, they're not trying. It's like, oh, you know, I'm just better than you and stuff like that. And again, you know, going to this story about, you know, the debate and stuff like that, that sort of stuff seeps in and they lose confidence in the process and all that sort of stuff. That's right. And so, um, yeah, so he would beat himself up for feeling happy to teach myself this list, uh, this lesson. I had many such experiences through high school, and eventually, by the time I was in college, it became conditioned like touching fire. Positive thoughts in my mind would trigger this horrifying sensation in my gut, like something was going to go wrong. So, for example, like because he every single time he had tried something and and got hope he was kind of met with some sort of negative experience, and that mm. was so painful for him. He's training to avoid it. Yeah, that's right. Um, so essentially, in his third year of high school debate, I decided to switch partners with someone because, uh, who had actually qualified for the state the previous year because I thought it would change things. I got results that were a bit better, 
though we weren't actually able to qualify. But to my surprise, my old partner and his new partner ended up qualifying. Whoa. For the longest time, I had this narrative that my old partner was holding me back. But, and then I was hit with an almost unthinkable thought. Was I the one that was holding my old partner back all along despite all that I had contributed? Was I I'd, the problem? And I didn't really recover from this and I decided to quit debate after my third year. That was the final straw mm. when that happened. When he saw that guy who wasn't trying to get results when he left, that's when he quit. So then he mainly played chess during the ninth grade after which he quit. Uh, my best friend, and after, the, after quitting debate, my best friend and I practiced together. Um, we solved chess.com tactics, shared YouTube videos, supported each other, even had the same coach. But I watched him get better while my rating went down every tournament we attended together. During one tournament, I got matched against him. He played a certain opening, the one that I was learning for a few months, the one I had openly admitted to being my favorite against me. I got destroyed that game during the opening itself. I had never seen him play that before because he hadn't. He mained a different opening. I don't know why he decided to play it against me that match. Maybe he was testing me. Maybe he just wanted to have fun. But at the time, it felt as if he was saying, look, I don't need hours of practice to master this easy opening like you do. I can play it for the first time and still win. What was also devastating was the fact that I took five minutes to make every move, trying my hardest to think ahead, while he only took a few seconds to respond to my moves each time and made better quality decisions than me. The SAT, which is, I'm assuming, their big exam, wasn't a great experience either. I took it four times during the 11th grade, but my score decreased with every attempt. Overall, I practiced 3,000 questions on Khan Academy, prep scholar, attended a boot camp, took practice tests, and looked for strategies on YouTube. One day, my friend and I took an evaluation test at a tutoring center. Both tests had the same questions on it. After the test, he asked me what answer I put down for one of the math questions, and I replied, uh, I, d I don't remember. But in reality, I was too embarrassed to admit that I had run out of time and didn't even get to that question. I was embarrassed because I had thought the math question, the math section was my strength, but I performed terribly. I asked my teachers for advice, especially for the English section. Many of my classmates who scored above at 1500, 1600 said that they just took a few practice tests to prepare for it. Some advised me to review my answers using the explanations given in the practice books. I did this, but the problem was that the answers weren't convincing to me and I couldn't understand them. I couldn't even explain what was confusing about it. And there was a day, day when my parents were helping me study and we argued for about an hour why a certain answer was the best explanation over my counter arguments, blah, 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 blah. Eventually they got mad because they thought that I was trolling them on purpose and testing their patience. It made me become afraid of asking people for help. I felt like I just sucked at learning. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I came to the conclusion that I couldn't improve at the SAT because my brain worked in this weird alien way that was different from anyone else. And my friends who scored high on their first attempt were just lucky to be born with the right brain. I believe that hard work played a role, but that talent was the ultimate determinant of whether someone was capable of something or not. And why waste time and energy on something that I knew I wasn't capable of? I couldn't admit that I was wrong because then it meant my results were my fault and it made no sense. Indeed, what felt, felt worse was when people told me things that did not align with my experience of reality. So yeah, um, when it, it didn't make sense to my parents and teachers when they called me a smart kid. It didn't make sense when people said, put in hard work and the results will come. It didn't make sense when people said it's easy. My mind was in a state of confusion. Um, so as you can see, a lot is building up here. The debate team, the quitting of ch like chess and that getting shit on in that, the SAT, and it's all cascading now. This is brutal. It's absolutely brutal here. 
I guess there was a lot of shame involved too. I, I remember in 10th grade math class, I couldn't finish the quizzes on time. And then my, ma- my teacher would just grab the paper off my desk as I was writing on it, leaving a messy pencil stroke. I don't blame them. Time was up fair and square. But at the time, it made me feel like I had done something wrong when I was in trouble, that I was a bad kid. And so, yeah, essentially, he was just there's so much shame every time he's failure, like failure, failure. And there's effort Comparison. here. There's hard work And he's on. trying. He's actually really trying. So do you want me to interject here, Curtis, yeah, we'll, or should we... Yeah, we'll interject here. Okay, so this is... Um, this is just my first thoughts because this is the biggest thing when I was a kid in high school that no one ever explained to me. And I'm actually going to grab... I'm going to grab this, Curtis. Okay. We're going to grab Juro Dreams of Sushi here. So this is still in the plastic, guys. This this is a DVD. We've never opened it. You don't need to open it. But we don't even have a DVD player. Juro Dreams of Sushi, guys. This is... Uh, I just love this idea of time. So... So, you know, when people say hard work, you know how we keep saying like, oh, people have like this, you know, they do the practice tests and stuff like that really easily and stuff like, guys, when you're young, you don't have a perception of time, your perception of time is so distorted, you have no respect for the perception of time. And you know how people say hard work, where's the hard work over time? That's not really part of the sentence. And, you know, when you look at someone like Jiro, who's done his craft, like obviously, you know, maybe there's an element of talent there as well as thing, but you know, you can't be saying that when you when this guy's been doing the same thing for 70 years, right? And when I see, you know, that's why I love these stories. And I, when I grew up, I, I was so fascinated about how people get really good at things and over time and people that were untalented because they just have this this perception of time that you just don't have as a kid. Because what's the, what's the pathway, Curtis, really? You actually like, you feel like you're stressed for time. Like it's like, I got to, I have like six months and then we got the tests, the exams, we have like mid-year exams and end-year exams and then bam, I got to go straight into university mm. and then do three years and I only have three years to do that and if I fail, if I don't know what I'm going to do, you've got like this, this pressure from parents and society mm. and all that sort of stuff but when you actually take a step back and you realize, okay, to be a master at one, if I just sit there and pursue something for 10 years you could even do it really slowly and get really good at something. And I'm not saying like, you know, you, you know, let's say, you know, you're like the best, you're the top of the field or something like that. But you're just like at a point where, you know, you, you're going to be at like the top 1%. You can get at the top 1% of pretty much anything from studying, just like being involved in the space or thinking about it every day for 10 years, guaranteed. And that perception is not told to us in um as we're young kids we don't have a time for that and you know as like we're getting later into the 20s now and you know even you know we spent you know three four years obviously doing the whole esports thing and imagine if we had an extra four years of coaching under our belt curtis the other thing as well that people don't mention is that uh the disruption as well in industry so let's say for us examples curtis like we're gonna get older we're gonna have different let's say we have families that sort of stuff we you know we don't want to spend as much time coaching every day you know spending like four hours a day we can get disrupted by the next up and coming kids really easily. You know, like let's say if we're 40 year old league coaches and there's new 25, 26 year olds who, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're failing, they're chipping away. They can take over pretty quickly if we drop the ball, right? We've got to constantly be learning, improving. Things change. The world's moving so fast now. So that's the other thing that people don't respect is that, yeah, someone might be really good or talented at this point, but you can drop off fast real quick by just having different priorities, you know, that sort of stuff, you know? And someone like Jiro Dreams of Sushi, he's an incredible example because he's still doing 10-hour days. I think no longer than that. He does. He wakes up, I'm pretty sure, yeah, even at 70, insane. 80 years old. You know, he's doing the same thing 16 hours a day for 70 years, guys. So that's sort of like the message that I just want to get there mm. in terms of that perception for high school and sort of stuff that no one's ever told. We're not told nothing. There's no respect for mastering a craft over time. It's all about if I, I have to put a year into this and if I don't get results, I suck. 
You know who's a great example of this? Uh, the opposite of this? Bjergsen. Think about Bjergsen for a second. Think about how much he's achieved. Think about how much he did. How far ahead of everyone he was when he was at his prime. What did he do? He he took a break. He gave up. He did. He didn't have that that consistency, right? He took a bit of time off, and then he was a coach, and they did that coaching thing, and now he's come back. He no, dropped the ball. Good, look good at him results, now. He's yeah. a shell, mm. right? He's, he's, he do, he doesn't even look like a top six mid laner in the NALCS anymore. Mm. Think about his journey. I mean, that's a that's a great example of someone that like imagine imagine you're a young kid that time, and then how you would perceive Bjergsen, like he's this mighty thing, and then people have just superseded him very very quickly mm. because he didn't have that sustained kind of process you know yeah so i mean maybe that's not a good example because that's the highest level of competition right, right? it's just like an old, someone that everyone knows but I, yeah it's not the most yeah. re- it's not really relatable to a lot of but us. it's a good example i mean but yeah tra- i'll say traditional sports in general that's a great example of how quickly people drop off right because mm. you know i mean even michael jordan had his you know bad years after mm. remember he came back after he retired in 98 and like yeah, you know, he was just you know, well. sort of middle so so yeah, um, yeah, that's that's the big thing that right. I get where you're coming from the, the lack of perception of time, and then when you're in high school, you think that it's do or die. Like we all think like that, and everyone's pushed like that, right? Where it's like, if I'm bad at all this stuff now, then my life is over. I've got no, you know, I've got no value if I'm not good at maths, English, whatever. It's GG. You could be horrible. Like, <laughs> like the way that I think about it is like, let's say if you're horrible at maths, right? Right. Let's say you want to be like a astrophysicist or something mm. like that. You could spend ten years from like 18 to 28 just suck in but like still but you but you you let's say you get the baseline knowledge to even compete with like a 19 year old mm. genius by 28 mm. dude you're still 28 years old right and now we're just building the foundation we can go up so like for, for example for us we could literally just quit league and just start starting to feel for the next 10 years suck at it for a while and get really damn yep. good at it if we just chip away for 10 years yep. but people just suck at giving things time and people are really bad thinking long term as well yeah we've mentioned that many times on the podcast <clears throat> okay, we'll continue on. We'll come back to these themes. Um, okay, so eventually he developed some mental health issues, although he wasn't officially diag- diagnosed with depression until later on. The more I stopped trying at school, the more antisocial I became, the more I stopped getting physical activity, and the more I shut myself indoors playing League of Legends all day as an escape and coping mechanism. The more upset my parents became. They hated the game. They blamed it for my performance at school. They said I was addicted. They said it would get me nowhere in life. And honestly, looking at my behavior, it was understandable that they thought that way. They were concerned for my future, but it ruined our relationship. It also felt terrible to see Lee, one of the few positive things in my life, become demonized by the people that I loved. During my last semester of high school, I was failing some of my classes and I got called in by the counselor who told me that the school wanted to make sure that all students graduated on time. So I was given two options to make my schedule easier. Either drop this one class or drop out of this entire program entirely. I made the decision to give up on my IB diploma in my final semester and stay in that one AP class just because this was the class that most of the people I admired were in. It seems irrational, but just getting to interact with them every day was more fulfilling to me than anything else. I was happy with the relationships I developed with everyone during high school, even my old debate partner who I am friends with, and I graduated on time with passing grades. But unfortunately, I ended up getting rejected from most of the universities I applied to, except for a few safety schools. Because I had grown up with the idea that I needed to be a high achiever to be a good person in life, I also tied my self-worth to my performance and what others thought of me. I felt like I wasn't cut out to be a member of society. 
At the same time, I had burnt the bridge of hope and potential in a way it felt liberating because I let go of my expectations of success. So essentially he's just given up. Like he's like, well, what's, I failed at everything. Like, what's the point? It was around this time during spring 2020, during my last semester when COVID hit, my parents had banned league for the last year to make sure I focused on school. But after my college admission results came in, I picked up the game again, and that's when he discovered my YouTube. I love the game. I love the YouTube community and, I, and your Discord server. I don't know what it was, but I just didn't want to give up on my dream of getting to high ELO. And I promised myself that I wouldn't. After all, it was one, the one thing I had left. This was it. This was like the last hobby, the last thing that he had left. He, um, he was watching LS's verbal lessons. He was a big fan of LS. I decided to take up the Annie to Diamond Challenge. It felt like a fresh start. And a th- so, so he, his name also was um, LS something. Like he was, he's like- LS lit- Disciple. Yeah, something like that. Um, and, it, and it felt like, so this was like his challenge he set out for himself to get only Annie one trick to Diamond. And a small part of me wanted to prove myself wrong about the narratives that I had developed about the world and myself over the past few years. To be honest, though, the impact of these experiences carried over to the league and my experience, and I experienced a lot of self-sabotage on my league journey and in other areas of my life. For example, I would go to the recreation... This is crazy, by the way, this story. I would go to the recreation center at my university to practice shooting basketball hoops. There were these buff ath- athletic guys around me in the courts that could see what I was doing. Every time I missed a shot, I would internally celebrate and feel relieved. It felt good to beat myself up and feel humility. But when I would make the hoop, I would feel uncomfortable, put my head down and slowly walk to retrieve the ball. I felt ashamed and felt like what I had done was just immoral because I was, you know, he was trying to reject the fate of being a failure. Like he perceived himself as a failure. He felt more comfortable failing. And that's that, that's that defense mechanism coming into play, right? Because if you fail, it's like, it's comfortable. It's like, I'm not in, you know, there's no hope. Like if that's where, that was his comfort zone. Failure was his comfort zone in a way. Mm. That's what he'd conditioned himself to be. Um, which is just awful. And he said, in league, there was a time where I started reviewing my games just to prove the point that it was possible to review 500 games and still not see any progress. Yeah, he's trying to prove it. He's trying yeah. to prove that he couldn't improve, yeah. right? That's where, that's, that's, uh, that, you know, how we had that conversation about fake process. Yes. That, that's when people have fake process. That's actually sometimes what they're doing is that they're, they're trying to show us like, yeah, that they're different. They're, they're different. That, they're no matter what they do, they can't. But they're not it. really doing the process they're That's not right. really critical of their gameplay they're still blaming teammates they're you know they're saying that they're doing this but there's a big difference between saying it and doing it you know and that's why he wanted to document his reviews through notes so i'd have the proof to show other people mm. i still have that excel sheet which has 561 games reviewed on it wow and you know you know for that like you know you know i'll just say you know yeah sure you know you got us like cool because we can't prove that you didn't follow. We can't prove it. You know, really that's hard. that's an honest conversation you have to have with yourself and, and the self-awareness that you, that you have to have. Remember, everything that we teach, guys, Curtis and I have executed for ourselves. We won't teach anything that we do. That's why we only coach jungle and mid. That's right. We were experts in certain champions. You know, I will even mm. say in my, my Graves and Kindred reviews, like, you know, I'm going to miss a lot of things here. And I told them to go to other people. Sometimes. Go to other people. Yeah. That's right, right? So, you know, this works. We've got lots of results for our clients. You know, you can tell us all you want that document things that, you know, they did it, they tried, they, you know, thing. And, you know, some maybe it just didn't work for you. But, mm. you know, I always question, like, what's the level of effort and critical thinking there? And, you know, 
And, and during this process, he said, I ended up going from gold to plat, which was nice. But a part of me felt disappointed that I wasn't able to prove that I was hard stuck. So he's trying to prove that he was hard stuck, right? Yeah. So he says, Coach Curtis in August, 2021, which is a while ago, August, 2021. Yep. It's coming up about eight, 16 months. Like so that. nearly two years, right? Yeah. I had a review session with you where you called out my stage four issues. Stage four meaning, you know, mental mindset, you know, that sort of thing. And, and I ended up sharing with you a gist of my story. So he told me a bit, cause I, I just, I could smell the bullshit. Like I knew something was wrong. Cause I could, I'm, I was, I think that's when I was starting to realize the stage four thing as, as a thing. And I just called it out. Right. And he said, I'll never forget what you told me after that. You said I could, cause I said this, I could bet all of my money that you're going to get diamond. That's what I said to him. He said, it made me feel emotional because even after everything you'd seen me go through, everything I was struggling with, all the plateaus I was facing, I was completely hopeless. Yet you were right there still believing so strongly that I could do it. That review was probably the first time that I felt like someone understood what was going, what I was going through and that it was a turning point in my life. That was when you spoke about me on the BBC about the burden of failure and told me to read Can't Hurt Me. I also dropped out of uni to work on my mental health and took a break from league for around seven months. And because I had a lot of free time, I rewatched Naruto. It's funny you mentioned Naruto because he has honestly been one of my biggest inspirations. When rewatching, there was a particular moment that clicked for me. Basically, Naruto is fighting this villain who used to be a student of Jiraiya. After their battle, they have a conversation and it turns out both of them had the same goal that their teacher did, which was to bring the world peace. But because of the war and suffering that the villain had faced in his life, he had given up and resorted to controlling society through destruction and fear, believing that true peace was impossible. Towards the end of their conversation, the villain is deciding whether to entrust his powers to Naruto, who still believed in their sensei's dream of like peace. And the villain asks him, how can I know that you won't give up no matter the pain you face? And Naruto replies, because that's who Naruto is. That's my ninja way. It felt like Naruto was speaking to me at that moment. It was incredibly eye-opening for me because it made me understand what he meant when he would say what he would say throughout the show. He cared about his convictions and the person that he wanted to be on the inside more than anything else. I realized that this was important for me too. The quality of my efforts and my mindset mattered to me independent of the result that I got. Independent of any any result that anyone else got, it reminds me of something you said on the BBC once. As long as I'm able to look myself in the mirror and at the end of the day say that I gave my hundred percent, I won't have any regrets. And it's also how I interpret John Wooden's quote: "Success is peace of mind, which is a direct result result of self satisfaction in knowing." You did your best to become the best you're capable of becoming. There was a night when I was sitting alone in my room with the lights turned off. I started crying because I felt like I too was like the villain who had abandoned myself in the face of suffering. The next day, I decided to go out for a run on a whim. I had little previous experience and knew my limit to be about a mile. But this time, something kept me going. I kept running and around the three mile mark, I started playing the Naruto main theme on repeat. Before I knew it, I had run half a marathon. I could barely walk the next day and was sore for about a week. But throughout this process, I had felt something that I hadn't felt in a long time, self-love. Last year, I discovered this Korean webtoon called Solo Leveling. It takes place in a world where people unlock supernatural powers at a certain age, after which their skill level doesn't change for the rest of their life. The main character, who is nicknamed to be the world's weakest hunter, stumbles across this secret dungeon where he obtains the ability to improve his skill level through daily quests like exercising or raiding more dungeons. 
it made me see the ability to improve as a gift that I've been given in my life, just like the protagonist had been given. It made me see the fun in the process of improvement. It also motivated me to start going to the gym and running on a more consistent basis. The David Goggins what if mentality, which I view as curiosity to see what one is capable of, has driven me a lot. I can't say for sure what I'm capable of, but if I stop trying, I'll never find out. When it comes to what I've worked on regarding my league gameplay over the past few months, the biggest change I've made is treating league like a game of specifics. It's something that you have been saying for a long time, but it didn't click for me until recently. In the past, I was unsure how to approach about thinking, like thinking about the game. Looking through our old coaching sessions, I can see why I was asking such general questions. I was looking for reasons why I was stuck in the rank I was in or a certain mindset or formula or framework that would bring my gameplay to a diamond level. I wanted something to work with, but every time I brought in a game, you would say something different about what I needed to work on, which confused me. I remember this one review where you pointed out that I didn't understand Nico's early threat as a champion. It seemed so random, but it was true. I think that's what I... I think that's what I realized when I realized that I needed to get specific with my gameplay instead of trying to tackle it from the bigger picture. So I stopped trying to organize my problems. I dropped all of my general learning objectives, both in-game and out-of-game. In the reviews, I'd just go to the big moments that felt bad and treated each situation individually. Ask myself questions like, what is it that I failed to consider here? Or what caught me off guard? Or what were the signs this play would go wrong? Before this, I would go on walks, thinking about league philosophy. An important thing I came to realize is that the way I play depends on the way I think and feel in game. If I could think like a diamond player, I would be able to play like a diamond player. So in my reviews, I tried to give my answers at a mindset level. So he was like thinking way too generally. Like he kept thinking, like he would always say this crazy shit to me in reviews. Mm. Like, so like, what's the point of trading? And like, just like these very philosophical questions. But it just all goes back to, he's trying to look for a shortcut and a, a and again, the fake, he's, he was a huge fake process guy and really trying to prove why he was in the rank. He just wanted, he wanted you, he actually was trying to confuse you in a way yeah. yourself. Cause I have this sometimes with my clients as well, is that those people that do fake process, they're trying to confuse me and confuse. So then we end up not coming to an answer at the end and say, well, Nathan doesn't know fucking, there we go. Like I must be, there we go. It's just a mm. me problem, me special problem. I just want to interject as mm. well, Curtis. Mm. You know how he, so it sounded like a big part of his journey was he, had process and put his head down and just like focused on something, right? This is why I love process so much, Curtis, because there's so much noise out there, but not just noise out there, also noise in here mm. as well. Uh, and this is why I actually think that sometimes people that play a lot of league, uh, let's say like 10, 12 games a day or whatever, and they have like lots of time in between queue and stuff like that, they have a lot of time to think about why they're at a certain rank or why their teammates suck, all sort of stuff. But um, let's say if you just have the time, like you have no time, you have to play a three block and then that's it. Sometimes like that's, uh, I think a huge advantage that Will had. Um, right. When he got his results, when he got his results, when he got to rank one on the NA ladder, no evade please back in, you know, was it last year, 2022, because he was a high school student and he could only play so many games. He just had to get his head down. He didn't have time to think about all this sort of stuff. You know, he, he had school and he had thing. He had, to, had social interactions and, you know, friends and all that sort of stuff. You know, obviously he would be thinking about the games during the day. But I find that uh, process just allows you to just get your head down, do this. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to assess whether it's going to work later. But there's no distractions, there's no bullshit, you know, coming from all directions. And it just helps you just really stay focused, I think. Mm. 
the biggest thing that that really jumped out to me there is that he tr- he f- think about how sad that is. Like he took him that long to f- finally give himself like self love, self appreciation. Like he didn't deserve. He did, he felt for the longest time that he didn't deserve any like self love because he was just a fuck up. Like he had like remember it all started with when he was in high school. He felt as though he had to be smart to be. To, to kind of be recognized. And when, when he wasn't smart and he deemed himself d- like, you know, dumb or whatever it might be, he, that means his like perception of himself was, was basically fucked. Right. Mm. And then, and so from then on, everything was just, he's a fuck up and he's not worthy of, of, of like, I, I've got no, no um, redeeming factor in his mind. And that's what it snowballed. And that's when it snowballed out of control. And it was finally, you know, through league that he was able to kind of teach himself that that concept. Yeah, and it just goes to show it doesn't have to be league. It can be anything. It can guys. be anything. Just get we 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 think we just need to learn how to get good at one thing, and then that will stem at every area. It fixes of your life, everything. Man. It fixes everything, man. Because then you just know the process, what it feels like, the challenges, going through adversity, and then you can apply that to other aspects. And again, going back to the high school thing, we're never taught that because guess what? We're 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 doing all the subjects average averagely. We're spending one hour a day on science, one hour a day. Everything's the, average. <laughs> everything's average. It makes if, no sense. If anything, high school teaches you to be average. Average at everything. And e- even you, you're going into university like even the first year like you're doing little things bits of everything you know you're not like majoring in like one thing until like your later years mm. right so you actually just never taught that it's just so skipped it just angers me yeah it really angers me yeah and you know and what was the crazy thing is that all it took was one person to believe in him i was the only person mm. in his entire mm. life that believed that he could achieve something. Mm. Think about that for a second. It had to come from me. Yeah. No one else in his life believed in him. That made me so angry. That's I mean, that's, that's probably a very relatable story to most people. It made me so angry that like like you know I'm here sitting in Australia on the other side of the world and I have to tell. You're just to, like a video game coach. A video game coach. <laughs> I'm trying to tell them, you can do. It. I know you can do it. Like yeah. and I know he can. Yeah. There's no. There's not like he's. It's not like he's. He's got a brain. He's switched on individual. He can do it. And I had to just tell him every every session like i know you can do it it's got to get specific just relax get specific. get specific just chip away with years it. right we'll we'll say that for like anyone joining up because again we've we've, we've, right. this we've out, seen guys. it from everyone yeah. there's nothing that surprises no. us anymore so we're nearly finished we'll get to the end then we'll kind of reflect on this one yeah. um and he also hypothesized that the more specific i could get when breaking down a situation and giving the answer the more likely i was to recall it in game and i believe that this helped me with the big problem of mine And a problem I've heard others talk about as well too. You know what to do, but your brain doesn't think it in game. For me, I thought this was a sign that my intuition in a particular map state was not strong enough. Let's say, for example, I get pushed in and the enemy mid-roam's bot. Because I failed to ping, they end up getting a double kill. I knew the solution was to ping. But when reviewing this, I also tried to create a stimulus that would trigger the thought that I needed to ping. The stimulus here becomes became seeing the minion wave walk into my tower, seeing the lane turn dark into fog of war with the enemy missing. The more I reviewed it like this, it eventually became such that the image on my screen would simultaneously trigger the feeling in my mind. So like, like again, by getting specific and breaking it down into variables, you're able to see why the chain series of events. Oh, I get shoved in. Okay, fog of war. Boom, boom, boom. I got a ping missing. Such a massive getting part of specific. Anyways, as I slowly reviewed over and over again, sending clips of the VOD question channel, chipped away at my gameplay, I eventually started making what I considered these high quality decisions that I never thought I would be possible of making in the past. And I actually surprised myself with my own gameplay. Basically, this this changed in my review process. Um, 
And in addition, Coach Tim helping me significantly improve. Shout out Coach Tim helped him significantly with his micro the past month. Coincidentally, it gave me a nice toolkit to deal with failure. Looking at my gameplay, I realized the mistakes I was making weren't made by choice. My mistakes simply reflected my skill level. There was always an understandable reason for why I did something. Last week, I had a game where I reacted to an invade 10 seconds late, and my teammate said in chat, this guy can't be human, bro. I got pretty upset by the comment and my own gameplay, but when I went into the review and took a look at it, I realized that I was so focused on trying to layer the minions to farm under tower that it was no wonder I didn't look at the map. It just meant that I needed to work on my CSing skills, and so being able to empathize with where I'm at as a player... And as you put it, respecting the difficulty of the game is what has become a form of medicine for me. This mindset is something I apply to the mistakes that I make in other areas of my life and even the the mistakes others make. And now he's realizing the difficulty of the game and respecting the difficulty of the game and getting fucking specific about what's occupying his mental stack. There's always a reason. You just got to get into the details. I also wanted to throw in that my relationship with my parents is much better now. On road trips, we've listened to BBC episodes together. No way. They are supportive towards my passion of league, impressed by the value it has brought to my life, and they are happy about my diamond achievement. So yeah, he got diamond, by the way. Huge. My experiences with league, the MLA, the BBC is actually a big reason why I decided to switch majors from engineering to psychology last year. I find that subject very interesting. While it's taken a lot of work to get here, I struggled in the past. What's interesting is that I haven't found myself describing league as a struggle as of late, maybe because I've become to enjoy the process more and enjoy the challenge. So yeah, he basically climbed to diamond as an Annie one trick, despite everything over many, many years. So that's it. So did he start gold? I think he was, uh, he was like a a, a real goal four player. Like oh, he came four, in as a goal yeah. four okay. in the MLA, that's like insane. as a true tried and true goal, like definition of an overcomplicate narrative Reddit analyst to the max. Yep. Like you wouldn't even believe. Yep. Um, it was the hardest some of the hardest coaching client I've ever had. And in my mind, what Reborn has achieved is nothing. It's just amazing. It yeah. is nothing short of remarkable. And if especially, you can do it, especially, anyone can do it. Especially knowing the context of his uh, his perception of fixed versus growth mindset. And his life and his experiences that he's, he's had. You know, like that's, it's honestly such an emotional story to me like that is you know when we talk about we all we need to do is help one person to me that makes bbc done done finish like pa- nothing pa- 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 podcast that's it like as in to me like nothing else matters no like that is literally that's great the purpose of this whole thing stories are so important as well because you know we can sit, sit sit here in our chairs and be like you know you know sometimes we're hard to relate to and i just love hearing stories of actual people learning the game coming back with no talent backgrounds understanding that you know going i love it hearing the stories of people like getting into league of legends not respecting the difficulty of the game and then the, 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 i love the i love it when we hear stories of the switch flicking mm. it takes a while it takes for a while. it takes a while even lots of listeners here listen to this you know you, you might grasp some things that we're talking talking about but the switching it and it does it's like sort of a moment that things switch so shout out reborn for that amazing achievement thank you so much for writing that in and being so honest and transparent about your journey and 
he's actually started now because how he has his challenge right to get to, to Annie a diamond as an Annie one trick and now he's actually started his Akali journey he's now a learn Akali he's finally moving on from Annie or not moving on like now he's got a two champ or now he's going through that learning journey with Akali and to see how he's not only developed a growth mindset but like a deep respect for the craft now a now actually respect for himself as an individual, you know, going to the gym, like working out and, and developing a better relationship with his family and everything. Everything is just fixed, mm. you know, not, not forever. I'm not perfect. I'm not saying it's perfect, but he's on the right track, mm. you know? So, um, hopefully that inspires some people out there. And again, if Reborn can do it, anyone can do it. I have a quick story here, Curtis, that I, um, go into your stage four issues mm. I find what people are really good at doing, just humans in general, is that we like say we've got a problem, but there's a backstory or something that no one's mentioned, or you know, this is the problem, but it's not really the problem. We got to think big picture about yeah. the problem. You know, it's like let's say, let's say for example, you know, you've got you think it's like uh, my problem of like threat assessment or something like that, but we can't even get into that because we don't know how to improve at the game. You know, again, we've got a fake process. We're trying to prove that it's not going to work even if we try effort. So uh, I had a actually recent client. I won't mention his name because I didn't mention I was going to use this story, but, um, you know, he came in Soul 2 and, you know, we're sort of getting into reviews, you know, doing, doing some stuff. And then he's basically saying, you know, he feels like he's really overwhelmed and um, um, that's he's making he's again sort of losing confidence because he's realizing how much mistakes he's actually making and you know and we sort of were talking about it, i was trying to like diagnose his problem and then he's like okay well, like what's the backstory here and then he goes all right well honestly nathan about a year ago my main account got permabanned i'll constantly flame my teammates thinking they were the sole purpose i was losing games i essentially thought i was god I don't want to deflect all responsibility of that, but I was watching Tarzan every day and didn't even realize how his attitude was creeping onto me. But after my permaban, I took a break from League, but still watched League content. That's when I found the Broken by Concept podcast. I went on my friend's Smurf account and watched my old replays and was astonished at how many basic mistakes I was making, which is when I decided to start playing again and uh, vow not to flame anybody but myself. But I still play pretty casually, still started learning jungle as I used to be a Silas mid one trick, hard stuck in silver, but I never really implemented the process because I thought even if I did, I wasn't good enough to coach myself to get better. I hear all these stories on BBC about people who skyrocket from Soul to MLA and thought even if I tried, I wouldn't be able to. But slowly I started reviewing games, just looking at the first death and I immediately got out of silver and hit gold four for the first time a few weeks ago. Uh, I had a massive burst of confidence happiness and then decided to join Soul 2. And then, you know, and then now he says, you know, now he's got the problem. And, and, you know, sort of going, I want to sort of just focus here on thinking he was God as a goal for player and super toxic blaming his team. You know, you know how we, I mean, you know how we say that the League of Legends community is really toxic, Curtis? I don't actually view it that way. I I, I generally just view it just huge misunderstanding and delusional about the game. Like, you know, if you just sit there and just break things down with people, even like a goal for play, obviously, you know, they're not going to want to hear on and sometimes they play really casually. But someone like this, like, you, you know, the people that you're playing with, this could be this guy here in his journey like a year ago. And now he's like sort of reformed, quote unquote. But that's where they start. Like, the, these are your teammates, like your goal for player. So, you know, when people like, you know, really getting up, because I see it a lot in my reviews as well, is that people like type back to people. And like, don't mute chat, even though they say a thing. Like, there's no point engaging with these people. These are the people that you're playing with. And it's sort of, again, just the what we're really trying right. to do. With so, the- so your point being that they're, they're not at the stage where they can 
you can reason with them because they're not taking responsibility. And if you're not in that taking responsibility mindset, you're not really going to go anywhere. Is that kind of what your point yeah, is? Yeah, well, saying that, but also just like, you know, this is, imagine playing with this guy a year ago and then now he's like a reformed right. guy, you know what I mean? So everyone's at a different stage of their journey. But, you know, also just mention like, you know, we can we can get into the details, guys. We can not fix people, but we can lead them to the, Enlightenment. I kind of feel like just talking on the toxicity thing. I, I I had a question today from someone talking about um, how do you prevent yourself from typing and and chatting in general? And I said there was kind of three layers. Mm. Okay, the first one is um, there's an element of like typically. Uh, I understand the game is very difficult and people are going to make a lot of mistakes. So that's like, that's one layer where like, I understand that people are going to make a shit ton of mistakes. The game is very frustrating. Mm. So like there's an, you know, there's a level there of empathy and like, okay, he, he got like, for example, like a game yesterday I played, my bot lane died to like an early gank and then he had a really bad game. And then like, I could get angry, but it kind of make, I'm not saying I'm, 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 I'm not saying that I wasn't frustrated, but there's an element there, a layer. I kind of view it as layers. There's a layer there that is a shield that says to myself internally, okay, game's hard. And it's not like, I can't expect him to play perfectly. He's going to make mistakes. League's a snowballer game. It's fucking brutal. Okay, there's that, right? There's that layer of respect for the game, I guess. Then there's a layer of like, okay, I need to hold myself to a like self-respect and like... um discipline and holding myself to a high standard and and being a, trying to be a better version of myself yeah, like not stoop into the behavior of everyone else yeah i don't want to be like that like kind of there's like that self-respect pride yeah. and just trying to be a better version of myself is that but then there's the layer of using high quality questions to, to, to distract myself from the bullshit mm. that's the biggest one mm. like i get very frustrated in situations in games but i just say to myself okay what do i need to do What's my role in this game? What's the next objective that I need to give it? Like literally distract myself. Getting your head down in the process. Yes. Put my feet. Head, head down my feet. and then it's like blinkers like with a horse in the races Be and stuff. I want to just block out the You bullshit. can get so far just with that mindset, honestly. Yeah, you get very, very far. And you get better at it though over time. Yeah. You get better at it. Yeah. Um, so they're like the kind of the three layers there about that one. Yeah, so tox- toxicity in League of Legends and typing and stuff. It's very, yeah. League of Legends is an incredibly misunderstood game, Curtis. There's no yeah, respect I mean, for the snowball and nature of the game. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah, I mean that's what we're gonna have to. We're trying to educate people over time. Really right? trying. We're chipping away at it. Um, I wanted to talk about this interesting little thing here. Uh, I wasn't gonna plan on talking about this until I, it got brought up this morning. So necklace, a uh, Aurelia player, it brought up him, brought him up a few times on the BBC, and he has he's gone deep. On Aurelia Mastery. We're talking Ooh. nitpicking Ooh. every detail. E- he's usage. trying to perfect the champion. He's yeah. trying to he's trying to basically, you know, we're trying to figure out the formula of how to go from level 30 to master, whatever it is. He is trying to solve Aurelia. Every single part of Aurelia. Okay. How to replicate getting to Challenger. He wants to get to a, a, like a formula to Challenger with Aurelia. What skills, what order, why, everything. So he's master at the moment. He's very good Aurelia, very good Aurelia player. And he's been doing a lot of, he's very introspective. He does these reflection sessions because he's trying to make sense of stuff. Like I love his brain. He takes time to reflect, right? Mm. And he sent me this video. He said, give, give me your thoughts. And basically it was a team fight. 
and he and he broke down this team fight. And he's like, and he played this team fight really patiently. And he was six. I think he was he was six and seven, but pretty far like pretty far behind. I think he was like a hundred CS down. It was not CSing well at all. You would look at this in the freeze frame and you'd think this is a really bad spot to be in as an Aurelia. And um, we're in the late, basically in the mid to late game at this point. And he plays this team fight very patiently. Kind of plays peel Aurelia. Does it doesn't go in when when his Sejuani goes in and essentially wins this team fight. And he reflected on this and he's like, "Why did I win this? And why did I play it like this?" And he said to himself, "In every other situation, if I were to play this team fight out in the past, a month ago, two months ago, any other time in the past, he would have dove into the backline with that Sejuani and got one shot. The Renekton would have stunned him. The Zaya feathers would have come down. He would have died, and they would have lost that team fight." So what he said was he, he, he didn't have the right mindset for team fighting with Aurelia, but he didn't know this existed for the longest time. He didn't know there was an, a, 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 an option to play fights kind of this way with Aurelia. But after watching a lot of Aurel King and a lot of these high, very high level Aurelias, he noticed trends in their team fighting. Like, what the hell? They're, they're not playing team fights how I would play the team fights. Hmm, interesting. Why is this the case? So then he did some introspection and he said, okay, what I realized is that because my team fighting on Aurelia was not good and I had this perception that Aurelia just wasn't a great team fighter, that actually made me feel pressured to be more fed in the early game so I could definitively win the Don't team fights. Go, yeah. He doesn't have to learn that. Yeah. Then the snowball, the consequences of that thought process is that he would accept more risk in the first 10 minutes to try and get more fed, which would have an impact on his early game. So notice how he's, he's actually reverse engineered. He's this, broken down the steps. He's broken down why he plays Aurelia the way he did. And actually stem from, I don't believe Aurelia can team fight well, which led to him believing that he has to be more fed to win these team fights, which led to him Taking trying to force more, more plays in the early game, yep. which leads to an inconsistent early game. Yeah. I was like, wow, what an interesting way of breaking that down. Love it. And, and then he's like, this makes so much sense. And, and so basically by getting into the details and comparing his team fighting and recognizing this, uh, this is uncomfortable feeling, he was able to pinpoint a huge flaw in his interpretation of the champion's mm. identity. And this, this makes me wonder how many people out there, and I actually see this, and I was like, thank you for sharing this because I think this is a problem with many clients where they have a misconception about a champion, their champion, or maybe another champion, or whatever it might be, and that pressures them to play a particular way. Yep. And because they play that particular way, they get less success. A classic example of this is, um, like you see this with um, with a lot of players who play burst-oriented champions, like, okay, Zed, for example. You see there's a lot with Zed players, where they interpret Zed as, oh, the enemy have a lot of tanks, Therefore, I can't go glass. I can't go lethality. And they do this kind of, you know, shitty build that they're not really comfortable of. And that makes them play worse. When in reality, you can still go full glass cannon, farm nine CS per minute, and just one shot the enemy to carry yeah. every team fight. So if they had done that, they would have just been a better Zed player. My point being is that for all of us out there, if you feel as though you're uncomfortable in a particular part of the game, or you feel really pressured to do something a particular way, you should really do some introspection and try and get some other perspectives and bring those to reviews and also compare what are other people doing? Are they are they doing the same things you're doing? Mm. Like this is the power of introspection and reflection. Mm. 
and really identifying. And that's a stage three, by the way. Think about that. That's a reference point problem. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, well, that, that's really breaking down narratives, right, Curtis, right? And but, sorry, one last thing I'll say about this. Champion. I said, you solve this because you, on your Rek'Sai journey, mm. you initially thought Rek'Sai didn't scale and then you weren't having as much success. And then when you flip the switch, you're like, wait, okay, I actually don't need to force stuff in the early game. I can actually just be strong. It's a toolkit. And then play teamfights better in the, and make creative picks in the mid to late game, which gave you way more success. But imagine if you had that, you latched onto that same idea that- of Early Rex, game champion. Rek'Sai's an early game champ. I have to make something happen. You would never have got as good as you were at Rek'Sai. So you solved that as well. Yeah, that's the toolkit. We, we talked about view your early game champ as a scaling champ. And that actually, even though you're not a scaling champ, you're technically not. You can. It, it just helps all your decision making throughout the game. That's right. Have you played with this guy in our solo queue games? I think he's got like that VX name or whatever like that. He's a talent player who plays first strike, and I think he plays demolish as well. Oh yeah, and he plays like he plays like scaling talent, mm. and I, I love it, dude. I love mm. seeing that sort of stuff because he plays talent so differently, like. Like, yeah, he roams and stuff like that, but, like, he focuses on getting, like, getting, like 10 CS in mid-game, right. really fed, dude, and he fucking, like, scary. carries games in mid-game. He's so fed because he's got first strike right. and just burns his ults and gets really fed, and I love seeing that, and, like, he's a very good player. Like, you know, again, that's just, like, another way of thinking that, you know, you'd never... If you think if you lose lane as talent or, or you have to make plays early, he doesn't care about that, dude. He plays scaling talent. And this is why we talk about when I when I say when you're learning a champion, you should play... Like 10 CS, try and play your champion 10 CS per minute. Step one. And then go the other extreme. Yeah. And then go back. And then yeah. play, play your champion every which way possible, every mm. iteration mm. of it. Mm. Scaling for late game, early game chaos, mid game spiking, do everything. And then you start to feel, because what you remember that ties into that learning model of you want to, you want to, there's like rules, right? Like you hear about champions. But then your job is to test the rules one by one, test that rule, test Get a that feel rule. feel for it feel for it and then you can create your own rules you know you develop your own interpretation of the champion there's a talon player that i've been kind of watching a little bit in eu named lurks he's a grandmaster eu talon player that kind of plays a very unique way of playing talon with like ghost and phase rush fascinating and his early lane is pretty dog shit but his mid game is insane what does he build he's about gorgeous he dust blade, no. oh, dust and blade. he just one shots someone and then he goes invisible and just sprints around because he'll ghost yeah, and phase rush and he's just so, so fast. But like, he's so good at it, you know? And it just shows that there are many ways to play your champions. You just got to find what you're good at. Um, so I found that really interesting. So shout out Necklace for sharing that amazing insight. And it just shows, again, there's levels of introspection, what, what introspection can do for you in your journey. All right, Curtis, we'll jump into summer school now, I think. I, I, I do think, no, there's one, sorry, one other thing here I do All want right. to talk about quickly. I got, we got called out on my Discord for something we say. Okay. We need to, we need to really... Chip away at this. No, we need to, we need to <laughs> clarify. Okay, let's clarify. So, we say a lot that League is <laughs> is a very hard game and very, we, we say it sometimes, like League is a very complex, in-depth game. Yeah. But then we say at the same time, it's simple. It's simple, yeah. So, Nathan, what do we what do we mean uh, by this? Because I, I think some people can, uh, are getting a bit confused and we sound like idiots. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You got us. Nah, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually still struggle. I, I, I think that's something I want to go away and like, chip away exactly what I, what we mean by what that. What we mean by that. But let's, let's okay, let's, let's just, say, let's first admit that we, there's a lot of ideas that we try to get across, but we don't have the language to describe it. And we need more analogies, more metaphors. Like 
the the goal is that for every concept and every idea there is a an analogy or a metaphor for that idea that's the goal like ideally this whole podcast is metaphor after metaphor after mm. metaphor to get across the concepts um there's a great um physicist slash mathematician slash economist named eric weinstein who i i really really admire through his way of um breaking down concepts and he he just speaks in metaphors yeah. and analogies yeah. and and he gets across really in-depth concepts through these really niche metaphors and i think that inspired me um and is, has inspired me and i think we've just got a long way to go to try to describe our concepts so we're just having a crack we're scratching the surface and we're just i, I imagine we're just digging in this hole we're trying to like just you know figure our way through to a you know to where we need to go the gold mine or yeah. whatever yeah, so we say the game is simple but complex at the same time. What do we mean by that? Well, Let's I, explore that. I have... Okay, here's an example. I have uh, someone who's newly joined Soul Tour, another one, who, um, you know, he's done some reviews and that sort of stuff and started to learn about the review process. And he said, Nathan, I was trying to find a game for you to review. And I realized that every mistake that I did was a basic or fundamental error. There was nothing fancy or sexy going on, and that was a huge realization for him. So I guess what it is is that League's a simple game in terms of... Maybe it's more we use the word simple because we have to like use it to sort of overemphasize how much everyone loves to try to find secrets or answers. Mm. maybe that's what we do maybe that's what we're doing we feel like we have to we feel, we feel like we're, we're fighting and we have to say simple do you know what i mean yeah i i see what you mean to prove to the community to prove, yeah sometimes we over exaggerate ideas simple. because we feel as though there is people no trying one to complicate on this side it. and yeah, yeah. It's, it's interpreted as a complex game and we try to bring it back to fundamentals and like these these concepts yeah that's right but in reality okay so um yeah, what you said there was really interesting. Like, no mistake, or I cannot say no, very few mistakes in the game are, you know, complex. You can boil it down to very fundamental ideas. So the way I kind of view it is that, okay, in League, there are a set of ideas and a set of concepts, okay? And and these concepts, once understood, shape up, shape everything um, in this, okay, let's use an example of mathematics, okay? In mathematics, if you think about it, right? Um, oh, God, because we're talking about mathematics here. And last episode, we didn't even know... Couldn't even do basic addition or whatever basic it was. Addition. So I did, um, I did some, like, engineering math at, in, in university. And, and, and everything, you know, when I was going through, you're doing a calculus and all this stuff. And it's just, like, everything is just a continuation of the core concepts. Like everything really is like, there's a, some addition, some subtraction, multiplication, division, um, and, you know, taking the square root of something. It's kind of like these fundamental things. And then you're just kind of playing around with these, um, with these kind of these basic things. To solve more Differential equations. And, and, and it's like, once you understand the, the, the foundation of maths, you're just kind of playing around and just going that next little level up and applying it in a different way. I kind of feel like that's the same in league. Like once you understand the foundation of the game, like you understand pressure, threat, yep, like fog of war, um, 
CC and how CC works and functions in the game. What all the champions do. Tempo, what all the champions do. Like you understand these individual concepts. You can you can basically figure out any problem. So, yeah. so when, do- when we say complex, we're more saying that there's just so much information to process in the game. There's so much information that it's hard yeah. to can be consistent. A, a, a metaphor that I kind of think of it is, is like, it's not really... Um, you know, there's a two dimensions. There's there's width and depth, or something like that. Where it's like like, it's like it's 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 quite wide, but it's not that deep or something. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's it look on the surface, it looks really overwhelming, but it's actually nothing behind it. It's actually mm. not that mm. complicated. So so yes, it's the the game is is can be every problem can be boiled down to these fundamental concepts so that's why we try to teach these concepts and once you get these concepts then it just comes down to execution um so and i think the other the other part of it as well is um i think yeah the other part of it as well is that the exit the individual components themselves are not concepts that are are really um, overwhelming for the average person to learn. For example, like let's break down a roam. So I've been talking about roaming right now. I'm, I'm about to do a roaming lesson in my, in my mid lane school, right? Talking about roaming. Roaming on the surface for a lot of people who don't understand roaming can, can look quite intimidating. It's like, why does that roam work? And that roam doesn't work. Mm. The foundation of it is like the processing of a lot of variables, but the foundation even before that is like panning your camera, right? So, but the, the panning of camera clicking on the minimap itself is not a very, it's not a very mechanically intensive thing, right? But combining that with then panning your camera, looking at all these things. Having to worry about trades, tracking the enemy mid laner, jungler. It's like all these things make it. So it's, again, it's, it's, it's like wide, but not deep yeah. or whatever. You get the point. Mm. So that's kind of like an example. Um, so that's kind of what we mean. Yeah. I think we'll chip away at that more. We'll, we'll maybe have a, a proper episode on it maybe. Yeah, again, I, I, I really want to... Ex- we need to expose ourselves to a wide variety of like other mediums. Like like again, we've, we've explored all these things like American football and a bit of martial arts and F1 and cooking or whatever it might be, basketball. But we need to like expose ourselves to more things so we can... You know, watch more documentaries about things. Get more inspiration about things because we so we can bring it to our audience. Yeah, we need to be able to we need to be able to explain shit better. We're so dumb. Yeah, we're, we're not very good. <laughs> we're so we're very stupid. narrow in uh, our our focus. Our, our yeah. I guess we don't have much depth, do we? No, <laughs> I feel like we don't. All right, uh, let's move to our summer school post, Curtis. Yep. So this is. Um, title of this one is the realization of how much work and effort it takes to improve at league of legends god we can already get on board with that message curtis this had 475 upvotes and 86 comments hello guys so over one year ago i made a post on this subreddit talking about how much i couldn't understand why after watching many coaching videos i seemed to perform worse than before the year 2021 was my first ranked season after picking up the game, and I was convinced I was better than many players around my ELO due to the amount of videos and guides I've watched before queuing for ranked. What are we already seeing here, Curtis? The not respect for execution of the game. Hmm. 
It turned out that I finished that first season at silver 4, 10 LP, and dropped all the way to bronze 3 during the course of season 12. Playing the ADC roles, blaming my teammate, my team for stealing my farm, blaming my support for stupid players and my jungles who picked up fights when I was at base. I worked full-time as a software engineer and didn't have much spare time to play League, and I was convinced that my destiny was to be a bronze player because of Riot's messed up MMR. Um, season 13 comes along and I'm at bronze for 20 LP. I decided to keep a daily routine of playing three to four games every day, full muting and focusing only on my learning objectives. That sounds familiar, doesn't it, Curtis? My first, my very first learning objective was map awareness. I chose this one specifically because on reviewing my deaths, I realized a lot of my deaths were due to jungle ganks or mid lane roams. I practiced that objective for one week, paying attention to the map as much as possible, but soon I realized one week was not enough. After two weeks of intense practice, that was when I felt it was making a difference in my gameplay. I was dying way less often, having three or less deaths through my games. After those two weeks, I set another learning objective, CSing. My CSing was really poor, especially for an ADC main, averaging 5.5 CS a minute. Focusing on CSing was hard for me because my eyes constant shifted to the minimap and I often missed the right timing to last hit the minion so I had to learn how to time my last hitting window with my eyes on the minimap after two weeks my CS numbers went to 7.5 which isn't the best but it's not the worst either big improvement mm. I accepted that mage supports will use their abilities on the wave messing up my CS objective but that is out of my control so I'm trying my best not to tilt with that one of these days I came across right Proxon's League Craft series we've had Proxon on the podcast mm. before it's old, but I think they still have hold up very well to this day. There was an episode called Diamond Eyes, where he mentioned that to fully comprehend and apply the concept of trading consistently, it takes roughly 200 games. And that is only for trading. Imagine that, 200 games to learn how to apply one concept in your games where Lee has many, many concepts. Going back to Jiro Dreams of Sushi Curtis, remember he teaches his student 10 years how to make rice. You have to spend 10 years about just doing rice. 10 years! Rice. <laughs> that actually made me feel better for some reason. I thought I was a no-brain monkey for being bronze after 200 games. But knowing that everyone who wants to be good at improving the game follow the same hardships and need to have tons of hours games played was very eye-opening. When we watch Twitch streamers or content creators in the scene, we don't see how many shit uh, and games they've had to go through to get there. I think this masking of how hard the game is and how much effort you have to put in can be detrimental. You ask an advice on how to win games at Low Elo, they'll tell you just have a brain. Absolutely, I love this. This is such an important one. Guys, yeah, content creators. Even Curtis and I, like, guys, you know, like, before we even started playing ranks, how many bots games did you play, Curtis? Like, thousands? Like, think about how many bad games were in that. So that's, you know what I mean? Like, that's always the thing about the disrespect for the game. And high Elo players don't understand how much goddamn time and effort they've put into this craft. Again, the reason that it, the game's disrespected so much by the high players and they tell low players that they suck is because they think that the, the activity of video game is so looked down upon. If you are playing lots, you're not actually getting good at anything. That's the way it's viewed, right, Curtis? Imagine if you spent... the Imagine if every high elo player spent the exact same amount of time they played league doing playing basketball or playing... Uh, pool they'll probably be in the top one percent as well wouldn't they curtis it's a lot of time people play league man well after 260 games i'm still bronze bronze to 60 lp specifically but playing the game with learning objectives is so much more fun than focusing on wins and losses it makes me happy that i'm getting better with the champion i love playing 
even if I'm still bronze, I can definitely show that I'm a better player than I was last year when I was convinced the problem was my teammates. The road to improve at League of Legends is full of uh, manholes, cracks, and bumps, and it is for everyone trying to be good at the game. I'm not special. I'm not a victim of an evil mastermind at Riot's headquarters. It takes a whole lot of work and effort to improve at the game, especially on the role I'm playing, but I'm willing to persist and trust the process. I hope by the end of this season, I'll be good enough to finish at least silver. I know this is not much for many of you here, but being a solid silver AD carry main makes me excited and looking forward to keep playing the game. Thank you for the tips you guys gave me on my Reddit post last year. Also, shout outs for Riot Proxon for doing League Craft series and Coach Curtis and Nathan Mott for their three block process philosophy. I helped a ton. Sorry for the long ass post. And the, the top comment actually here says, great post. I can tell you're a BBC fan. And he says, I actually don't watch the podcast at all. He doesn't watch podcasts. But he likes their mentality in approaching the game. I don't know where he would have got that from, though. Either from other... Probably other yeah. people in the Reddit threads... Who knows? ...mentioning this stuff. But um, I, I love it that the most simple concept of the most boring thing, just playing three games at a time, is so impactful for people. If that's the only thing you take away from us, it's about less games, more, um, more focus reviewing. This has inspired me. I've got a really interesting idea. I'm not going to say anything about it. I've just made a note on my phone. I'm going to do something. This has inspired me. This so, Reddit post inspired this you. This is Resbos has really inspired me. And he has also, I like it that he's like accepting. He's having so much fun. He seems like, think about how much more fun, even if, even if he's struggling as a silver player, hmm. you know, he, and that's what it's about guys. Having fun, improving like, and, and by the way, have you noticed, okay. You, you mentioned earlier on in this episode about, um, your client who was a toxic player yep. who then kind of like started to realize that they were contributing to things and looking back at their mistakes and being embarrassed at the, the things that they were doing, right? These, these errors. And then he kind of shifted his mentality and then he started focusing on himself and he's kind of working on that, right? Notice how it would be very easy to write that person off as just a toxic human. Yeah. This guy here seems like a pretty genuine cool normal guy. guy who was just struggling with his journey because he was confused. He didn't have the right... He was trying to... What's, what's the word? Like you're trying to put a a square peg into a circular hole. Like he didn't really understand what he was trying to do. He had the, he had the wrong tools. Hmm, that's right. right. And because he had the wrong tools, he's spreading, you know, pushing. It's just, no, no, what is, it's like, he's trying to, to do something, right? He's trying to like, um, do an impossible task. Yeah. Like he had the wrong, it's like, he's trying to build a brick wall with a hammer and nail. Like he's doing, he's got like the wrong tools to apply in like, all right, I'm so you're saying because he has saying. the wrong tools, he's getting frustrated. Yeah, that's the why frustration yeah. of, of, of like, you, you think one thing, you think you're doing the right thing. And if you think you're doing the right thing and not getting results, that's very frustrating. Of course you're going to be toxic. Of course you're going to be toxic. Yeah. Because toxicity is what I always say. To the number one source of toxicity is is confusion and not knowing what to yes. do. Yeah. When, you, when you have clarity, if like imagine if it was all laid out. Imagine if League was a game where like, okay, you do this and you, you get like a little pop-up and it says, great, you're doing, you're doing really well, you're improving, tick, boom. And you're like, yay. And you do it and it's all solved. It like tells you what And to when you make on. a mistake, it will pop up saying, Bail. oh, this is where you lost the game. And this is and what then, you did wrong. And, <laughs> yeah, how to fix it. No, the yeah. toxicity wouldn't be a thing. No. Very, very little. There'd be very, very minimal toxicity. All right, heard it here first, guys, from the podcast. League of Legends community is great. We are an awesome community. <laughs> uh, everyone's really cool. We would all be friends with each other. Happy. We're, we're going to be the most positive community in all of gaming. 
heard it here first. No, not not we we will be. We actually are right now, but we just don't see it. Right. Well, 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 I'm not saying that. <laughs> but, you know, there's outliers and obviously people with, who are addicted to the game and there's problems, right? But my, my point being is that it doesn't mean these people are bad people. No. Right? Um, they're just confused and they're lost and they, mm. they have a disrespect for the game and they weren't educated on the difficulty of the game and his expectations were completely messed up. Yep. Um. And so, yeah, great story. And another another classic example of the disrespect of the execution of the game. How fantastic is this post has almost 500 upvotes, man, on Summoner School. Mm. People agree with the title. The realization of how much work and effort it takes to improve at League of Legends. I feel like we're making a difference slowly, Nathan. We're getting there, We're getting there. We're we are. chipping away. That's 500 people that get it. Yep. Right? That's 500 people that get it. That maybe that's 500 people that wouldn't have got it before, potentially. Yep. We're getting there, dude. We, we are making big strides. Yeah, we're making we're making a difference. No, not just bit. us. I think I think the community as well is starting and the, to realize. The listeners are helping people. I can see the messages are being spread on summer school and other areas, which is great. So shout out to you guys who listen to the podcast. You can share these listeners. messages and actually make a positive impact in the community. I love it. And think about listeners. this guy now is now having a much better relationship with the game, probably spreading positivity to his friends, inspiring. Me Maybe some of his friends. He knows how much fun the game is. He's getting new people coming in and say, hey, look how fun and maybe the game he has is. A, he's more happy any, uh, coming out of his games and not spreading that negativity to his partner. So his partner's having a better time. And then it's why everyone's happy chappy. <laughs> I love it, Curtis. It just shows. It just goes to show. All right, Curtis, should we move into the, uh, the, the corner? The corner? The clips corner? All right. Away we go. <laughs> we go. You're not stealing that from me, Curtis. You've got to come up with your own All one. Right. Okay, I need a little... segue. I need a segue. I don't have a segue. Get creative, Curtis. Use your brain. Be critical thinking here, Curtis. Oh, I'll get some... I might watch some Seinfeld, see if there's anything there that I can steal. All right, so we're heading to the Clips Corner, guys. Three, two... I like this. One! And welcome, everyone, to Curtis's Clip Corner. Okay, so diving in, this was a platinum, I believe high platinum, Cassiopeia. We are currently at 27 minutes in the game. Uh, so we're in the mid to late game here. Big team fight about to come up. Um, so I'm going to play it out from here. The details really of this team fight don't really matter at all. So I was going to give a little bit of context. It's a team fight. Turns very, very, very chaotic. This Cassiopeia does what she can. So... Essentially, she gets picked off in this team fight. Her AD, her AD carry does a lot of work here. As you can see, we've got Gumiyushi here on the on the uh, Zaya, um, killing everyone. So essentially, this Cassiopeia's uh, AD carry does a lot of work and kills everyone. I basically ace the enemy team here. So I'm going to pause it on the tab. Okay? So essentially, what we see is Baron is coming up in 10 seconds. They've aced the enemy, essentially. Uh, they are also on soul point right now. So they've got three dragons, Infernal, right? So you've got dragon coming up in 50 seconds, Baron coming up in nine the seconds. dilemma, which one do we do? Okay. Now, before we talk about which one do we do, I'm going to play out and explain what the team does here instead, okay? So again, to give the context of the listeners, the, the, the enemy team just get aced, and, and the jungler, the AD carry, and the top laner are all still alive. So instead of going to the Baron or the, you know, resetting or anything, look what they do here. So they're in mid, they're all in mid, 
and they start running down mid and, and about to get mid-tier two. Now, they, I think they're getting mid-tier two. They finish off the team fight, kill the remaining last remaining top laner. So they're now, they're actually now killing mid tower. They're going for the inhib tower in mid here. The, the, the Darius top goes to mid tower. The AD carry decides to go for the top tower. So they're actually now getting two towers here. They're getting top inhib tower, mid inhib tower. And while Cassio is dead in this moment in time. The enemy respawn inevitably after the team fight. The Zaya gets chased down, so the Eddie Carry gets chased down, right? Because they've kind of they've over overextended and overstayed on the map. The uh, the top laner also dies, and they don't even get a single inhib. So, Nathan, this is a extremely common I love this. and fundamental error that we could all learn from no matter what rank you're at okay guys so we're going to go back to that freeze frame after the uh you see the tab here after this kill here one moment so at this moment when they win the team fight i have a concept that i like to call tempo over towers as well as objectives over inhibs Okay, so if we think about it very logically, inhibitors, let's say even if you could get the inhibitor here, inhibitors aren't really as important as Baron because inhibs don't always lead to Baron, whereas Baron basically always lead to inhibitors 90% of the time, right? So especially if the inhibitors are not on the side of the bar if they are on the side of the baron so for example mid inhibitor is actually very low value because think about it they're always going to be shoving mid anyway yeah. the a ramming so the, it's 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 low value to get a mid inhibitor if instead after acing the team fight they go get the baron which is coming up in 10 seconds they could get baron that would allow them to get the dragon soul as well the game's over if you get the inhibitors you don't get the dragon, you don't get the baron, and you're screwed. Now, on top of that, if you go for the towers, the enemy are all going to be coming back out on the map. So if you overstay on the map, you're like, okay, yes, we aced them, we're going to break their base, we're going to get the emitters. What happens is that now, because you've taken so long to get all the towers and the emitters, they're respawning, and you either get caught trying to stay for those inhibitors, or you get forced to recall in Narnia because you get pushed all the way back, and they get complete map control. So what are your takes on this, Nathan? I love this example, Curtis, because this is the reality of solo queue. Welcome to solo queue. You know, I love seeing that even when they made for the, the inhibitor, going for the inhibitor, mm. they spread their resources so thin, as, as thin as you could possibly go. Then they start doing two towers and they don't even get any inhibitors. Yeah, they get nothing. And they don't even get the towers and inside us. And, and now after this, the, the enemy game. come back on the map and then get the dragon. Yeah, get the dragon. And, lose the dragon the soul, the soul. and then the game's just extended. And then the game's so complicated. I love this, man. This is And so what I said to the Cassio, so the Cassio in this situation, she's dead this entire time. And yeah. what I said, you need to take control. You need to spam ping back on them on that mid tier two. Yep. And you just spam assistance ping on Baron. Baron, 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 Baron. Get your team to do the Baron because Baron will lead to and let's just let's just pretend Infernal's out of the question here. Infernal actually doesn't even matter here. What matters is that Baron leads to inhibitors. Hmm. Inhibitors don't lead to Baron. So obviously the question would be like, well, Nathan, what happens if I do it? No, oh, sorry, well, Curtis, what happens if I do that and they don't listen to my pings, right? 
the key thing is just really just know what the best decision is and just push your team to do it. If they don't do it, just adapt and just relax That's and just right. accept That's it. Don't get angry. Cupcakes at, Ace Framework comes into yes, play. Yes, the Ace Framework. Acknowledge the best play, which yep. is do Baron. Mm. Communicate the best play through pings and typing, whatever you need to do, and then embrace reality, mm. which is in if they don't, if they ignore you, then it is what it is. Watch the chat, by the way, of Cassiopeia here. So this is what, when you have a death curtis, isn't that the biggest lull this state? This is lull state. This is prime You time. have nothing else to do as Cassiopeia. Watch the chat. I want to pay everyone to pay attention yeah. to the chat. Watch what he types. So Cassio says. Nice. Everyone's like complimenting each other and stuff like that. Instead of thinking, what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? All right. And then no, it goes on. It goes on. He types sorry, sorry. in the chat. He's like, sorry oh. for dying. Sorry, I miss. And he's like, oh, I shouldn't yeah. type that. So think about what the Cassiope is thinking there. right now. Everyone's checked out in the game. They think, oh, wow, I've won the game. Instead of thinking, what's next? Pushing that advantage. Complacency. Isn't it funny how people like... Don't apologize for your, you know... In this, <laughs> never just, apologize just, just, for a death. No. Never ever apologize. <laughs> Guys, I so lose my team games all the time. I get flamed. And I could easily say, sorry, people want... I just do not you say... You want to get in that thing. mindset of apologizing. No. Why dude. are you sorry? Why are you sorry? You're trying. You're trying. You made a mistake. Welcome to League of Legends. Yeah. So yeah, the mindset is, yeah, but how do I win the game? And so, yes, this is a concept that anyone can apply. If you ace the team and you have a decision between getting an objective or getting towers... Nine times out of the ten, the objective is is typically better, especially if it's a major objective, right? You might argue people would be like, okay, well, in Highlands, okay, well, mid, you have super inhibitors, you're going to get the Baron and stuff anyway. Like, I'm going to guess this is about platinum rank. Platinum, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I'm good. Um... And what they're going to do is, you know, say like, well, you know, theory, it's like, oh, well, inhibs can get you the back. No, like ink solo in general, mm-hmm. getting the objectives like soul and Baron. It's, it's gonna, easier to execute. It's easier period. to execute. Correct. It's easier yes. to execute. That's the, that's the other thing as well. And, and, and the other thing, okay, let's say we're even earlier in the game. Let's say we're like maybe 18 minutes and there's no objectives up. Okay. Still, I say tempo over towers because the thing is, is again... I've seen so many games lost from people. They win a team fight mid, and then they all overstay. They try to get all these towers. Mm. Like they get they mm. get the mid tier two, and then they go for the tier three, yeah. and and then lose games. So I have another rule of thumb, which is if you're ever in a situation where you're attempting to siege tier three, you got to double check, triple check, quadruple check. If there's nothing else, else to, to do, do yeah. sieging tier three is the biggest bait in League of Legends. Yes. I would say 98% of the time, there is a better thing to do than... Like, it's literally the last thing you should do. If there's jungle camps up, take the jungle camps. If there is... If if you could res, uh, reset, spend gold, that is better. Tempo is better. Um, if you can get outer, other outer towers, bot tier 2 or top, top tier 2, that is better. Mm. Everything is better than sieging tier 3 towers. Mm. It is the only scenario ever where you're sieging tier 3 is when you have Baron and you've got like a legitimate siege composition, mm. essentially. Mm. That's basically it. Mm. One of those two, com- those two situations. Here's the psychological aspect as well, Curtis, of taking objectives over inhibitors. When the objective's up, there's always a fight to sort of be had. It, it actually demoralizes the enemy team when they have no objectives. When you've lost Soul and Baron, think of how demoralizing that you is. You've got no options. Team. But if you just take an inhibitor, they're like, oh, I can still, here we go. Let's we can still fight the, the next guys, fight. We can still fight the dragon. Let's fight the dragon. You know what I mean? So psychologically, it's actually also better in solo queue as well because the enemy team gives up more when there's no So there's three three like kind of mid-game concepts here that you can guys can put into your own games. Um, when you're acing the team in like mid to late game, Objectives over towers and inhibs. Like yep. dra- barons, dragons Love typically it. are way more important than inhibitors. Yep. Number two, um, 
just in general, don't try to avoid sieging tier three towers as much as you possibly can, unless you have Baron. And then number three, if you're in that kind of weird early to mid game and you ace the team, sure, you can get the outer tier twos and you can play for them. Just be wary though. If the enemy's respawning and you're still on the map and you haven't spent your gold, it's danger, danger, danger zone. Like I, if I ace the team and we're, and, and, Say, like, the enemy's got death timers of, like, 12 seconds, 15 seconds, and we're still, we haven't spent our gold, and we're hitting towers. I'm now in kind of panic mode. I'm like, we're overstaying here. We've got to be you, very careful. You, the first thing you think about is, what am I going to lose off this? That's right. It's not about what I'm going to gain. It's what I'm going to lose, lose on the back end. Because if they if, if they fight us now, even though we're stronger, like, in terms of, like, raw gold, we haven't spent our gold. Gold doesn't mean shit until you spend it. Yeah. So that's very... And you've probably burnt all your cooldowns and you're probably low because you just mm. played that team fight. Mm. So a lot there for you guys to unpack. Love it. Anything else on this one, Nathan? That's it. Keep it short and sharp, Gotus. Mailbag, away we go. Jingle, jingle, jingle song. All righty then. Our first question here comes from Max. Title of this email is Reviewing Wins, Especially Stomps. Hi, Nathan and Curtis. Quickly, before I get to my main question, I wanted to just say thank you for your mindset, advice, and recent episodes for returning players who were previously higher rank. It really helped me because I was very frustrated with my gameplay being at a lower level than I expected. Losing to players who were so much worse than I once was was totally distracted me from improving my own play and very tilting but now I think of myself as the rank I am even if I'm confident I will not stay there for long I and I am earning everything from scratch again it feels much better and I'm playing better love it great stuff and just to sort of extend that because I think that's a really important thing Curtis yeah um accepting the rank like even (laughs) Sometimes, like, again, even if you don't really believe it to be true, just brainwash yourself. Just brainwash yourself. Fake yeah. it till you make it. Exactly. Literally just say to yourself, I am, no matter how painful it is, no matter how uncomfortable it is, just keep repeating it. I am the rank I am today, and i got to earn my rank every single season. Just yep. literally repeat that sentence over and over and over again. Yeah, even every day. I mean, even when you your gameplay every day, you know, like, sometimes I play really You're bad. You're only as good as your last block. That's period. right. Some blocks, I'm like, i got to bring it back to basics. I'm playing, like, a diamond player yep. and at, like, grandmaster level. You know what That's I mean? Right. So, and I'm not confused why I'm losing games. So, it's just a powerful But I mindset. feel like it's really, um, it's like a cathartic experience. It's, it's very, medicine. Yeah, it's very, like, relieving. It's like, oh. That's so much weight lifted off. That's my right. Like I've, expectation. Yeah, you know, I don't really. It's like it's like I don't have to be faker to win this game. You know, it's okay. I'm making mistakes. Now on to my real question: Should I be reviewing my wins, and how do I identify improvements in those? My wins are currently very stompy, and by that I mean twenty to thirty kill participation games. Securing all neutral objectives and with zero to two deaths from the jungle pretty much every time. Do you think it'll be worth reviewing these? Best wishes, Max. P.S. Uh, love your podcast. Keep up the awesome and inspiring work. What rank is he? Does he say? Well, it depends on the rank, I think. I mean, if he's in like gold and plat, really, I wouldn't overcomplicate it and just take the wins for now mm. and, you know, focus on the losses for now and the big thing like... Obviously, if there's a death or two, look at those deaths. Anything that confuses you or jumps out to you, maybe there was a team fight that was maybe much closer than you thought, or you felt you've confused why you lost a particular dragon, yep. or you felt there was a, like a bunch of tempo and prior you had, but you didn't do anything with it. Like Things like that you can look over. If you're a, say, D2 plus player, I'll maybe get a little bit more specific 
and then question a lot of your plays in the sense of like, um, again, okay, this worked, but if you're not very clear why it worked, then you need to double check that because you just could be getting lucky. Like, oh, I won this lane, but is this, did I know why I won this lane? Mm. Or um, I, I, I could have, I actually survived this gank, but why? Was that just luck? Like kind of starting to get a little bit deeper there. But again, I wouldn't recommend that until way later on in your journey. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I think that, yeah, so reviewing Stomp, so again, it sounds like that he was a previous rank, so maybe he's got, you know, he's adopted this mindset and now he's just playing a lot better and just getting, right. and then maybe he is, shouldn't be in this rank and he's going to be, be if long. he's got 30 kill participation and zero, you'll be out of like, that you'll, soon, like, yeah. you're pretty much smurfing, dude. If that's, he says that's consistent, so I yeah. wouldn't worry about that. Reviewing Stomps, but yeah, I mean, you can definitely get value from reviewing Stomps, as, as you said. I mean, reviewing wins that are like, you know, like pretty close, you know, I think reviewing wins is so much to learn in reviewing wins. Sometimes it's, I, I really, really, really simply, if anything remotely confuses you, invest, investigate, <coughs> investigate. Love that's it. it. That's really, that's awesome. On top of that, um, I also kind of talk about it in terms of what champ you play. So, so I'm going to speak through a lens of say you play a facilitator. So let's say you play uh, a secondary carry. Maybe you play a, a Galio, a Vex, an, even like an Ari or whatever, any roam-oriented champion. In that case, if again, if I'm Diamond 2+, plus, I would start to look at my roams and the consequences of my roams. Okay, I dove bot here, but what did I lose for that on the other side of the map? Mm. Well, I went for this roam and I got this double kill, but I lost three plates mid mm. and they have rift. Hmm, I wonder if that, you know, starting to kind of go down that route of like assessing the value of the plays you make. Again, it de- that's not that's something- high level stuff. higher level stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right, next question here um, comes from James. Title of this email is Mastery 7, The Beginning or the End? League of Questions. Dear Nathan and Curtis, thank you for making the podcast, which I found only recently because Nice made a response video to one of your episodes. I'm one Mastery token away from Mastery 7 on Soraka, and it feels bittersweet. I love the idea of learning exactly what it takes to get Mastery 7 on different champs. However, once I attain that goal, it feels boring to play them, and I immediately switch. I feel like if I were to keep sticking to the same champion, I'll miss out on vital learning of other champions and figuring out what each other each champ wants in order to win. I've achieved Mastery 7 on Raul, Yumi, and Morgana. I'm about to reach 7 on Soraka and Nautilus 2. Do you feel it is a good idea to keep learning new supports or stick to the ones I've already mastered for the sole purpose of climbing? I played. I've been haven't played rolling months. Just the other day, I did one game, and on them just to see if I still had it, and I got an S rank in that game. I got into league four months ago, and I'm about to hit my one thousandth game. I don't know if I'm shooting myself in the foot by changing up who I play each month, or if it's actually a good thing since I'm diversifying my knowledge. P.S. I tried the cacao Kurt thing Curtis mentioned in episode one seventeen and like it. Liked Love it. it. Okay. So the way I would so we, let's put context. This player is obviously a really new player. New. Yeah. At the start of your journey, it is very good to play a wide variety of champions. I firmly believe that. Yep. I don't really believe you need to go to mastery seven on each champion. Like I would much prefer you say play, let's say, twenty games or twenty five games on all like more champions. So I don't know how long it takes to get to mastery seven. It sounds like a lot. I actually have no idea. I've not, I don't really use the mastery system. No. I don't even know what mastery I am on any of my champions. No so idea. I couldn't even ask that question, no. answer that question. But what I will say is that I would rather you, even though it sounds like you're spreading yourself thin, you're not. All you need to do when you start playing League is you need to know what every champion does at a baseline level. Okay? 
So um, do that first. Like even even across other roles, even a little bit. Like dabble with a bit of top, dabble with a bit of mid, dabble with a bit of jungle. Literally, like if you're unsure about a kit, play it. Mm. Normal games. It's the fastest way to learn. That it. is the best way to learn the game. Yeah. Okay. Once you've got a baseline understanding about what every champion in the game does, then pick one or two champions and then all in. So the analogy that I would use here is again, if you want to be understand again how buildings are built. You would probably need to understand a baseline level about everything, like a little bit about everything. But you didn't, you wouldn't need to go super in depth on everything. But you, you, it's good to know how kind of roughly how everything works, and then you would have your own little specialty, and that would give you the lens to view everything with through. So, like, you need to like specialize later on once you've learned the baseline of everything. Um, and if you keep ping doing this, spreading yourself too thin for too long, then you'll just be a jack of all trades and a master of none. Yep. So yes, you do need to um, at some point. The title of the deep. email was the beginning or the end. So yeah, the way that I think about it is that it's definitely the beginning for you. Yeah. So let's say let's say he says he's got mastery seven on you know on Soraka. Oh, so he's got it on uh, Morgana. In terms of champ mastery, I mean, yeah, that's like baseline. You like baseline, raise. Yeah. We got to raise. There's so many standards of champ mastery, and really, I mean, champ mastery and rank have really tied close together. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What I would say, and to give a bit of context to sh- from from my perspective, I have played champions like Cassiopeia for sit like pretty seriously, like maining it since season like season five or something, right? We're in season 13. I'm, I learn things about Cassiopeia every year. Think about that for a second. That's been, what's that? That's like eight years nearly. Yep. Eight years of a champion. And I'm still refining early lane strategies, little micro details, matchups, builds, learning how to adapt runes and how that shifts your, your strength in certain situations, team fighting little tidbits. The, there is never an end, nope. <laughs> right? So just because you hit mastery level seven, that is not that is by far the start. That is the beginning. That's the beginning of you're just diving into champ mastery. That's right. That's the way you do it. Yep. All right, and we'll do uh, one more here. Um, uh, where is it here? Oh, here we go. Uh, this is from David Davo. Reach my ranked goals after six seasons, but I'm scared to push further. Hey, Coach Curtis and Nathan. I like he just calls me Nathan. That's what I like. Not the Coach Nathan Mott that you said at the beginning of the thinker. Yeah, so. I did that to annoy you, Nathan. Imagine if I had that as my name in League of Legends. Coach like, Nathan Coach Mott. Nathan Mott. too much. It's doesn't too work. Much. No, it's got to be two nice, beautiful words. That's right. I started playing League in Season 3 and hit Diamond in Season 4. Ever since then, I kind of just forefund every season, believing that I couldn't climb any further past that. However, I stumbled upon a Twisted Fate guide by Curtis in Season 11, and it really took me off guard that someone was trying to make a non-clickbait 10-minute video content about League. Soon after that, I found the Broken by Concept podcast and watched all of the champion guides that you had to offer. In Season 12, I decided to solely focus on jungle and join Soul 2. I came to find out that I was, and still am most likely, a horrible student. I spammed games and failed to look at the consistent mistakes that cost me games. After failing my Masters series five times and dropping back down to Diamond 4, I decided to take a step back from the game. During this time, I decided that I still wanted to push further, but needed a break to reevaluate my process. 
While I lacked the resolve to do three blocks, I decided that I could do best of five or best of seven series, depending on how much mental energy I had. This made it feel like every game had something on the line. Doing this adaptive process, I was able to hit Masters playing jungle. Out of curiosity, I applied the process on another account and reached Masters playing mid lane. Playing my old one trick, Twisted Fate. While following this process and boost of confidence, I was able to climb to around 150-ish LP on jungle account and 300 LP on my mid lane account. Soon after reaching this peaks on my accounts, I started playing the occasional games against challenger mids jungles and started getting absolutely gapped if I messed up an early gank. We talked we talked was it last episode about the, the gap between challenger and master players being um, very, 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 Giant very big. Ginormous. Against a full clear jungler, the game would be very hard to win. If I got bullied off a few CS by a Syndra, she would force a play with her priority or slowly build up a huge CS lead with her extra amp tome. She got maybe it's just a toxic narrative, but I feel that majority of the time I lose to these players is because I make a small mechanical mistake or I'm half a second late to a counter gank. And these players would just snowball that tiny, tiny lead into a win. Did you two ever encounter these problems when you first push for Challenger on High Elo? Part of me wants to see if I can push further, but I'm feeling very intimidated right now. Yeah, so I want to tell you a story here. Ajax, he's a grandmaster, high grandmaster, nearly Challenger player in NA right now uh, in the MLA. And he uh, he was telling me a story about how he uh, he was feeling really good. And then in I think he was playing a scrim um, versus the rank one NA player at the, uh, you know, I think it was, uh, the APA guy, I think. Always playing ahead. Yeah. Yep. And he got absolutely annihilated. And it was in that moment he realized the gap was so much bigger than he, re- like, than mm. he initially thought. Mm. And, and again, for him, it was quite intimidating. It's like, he's like, holy moly. Like the gap is way bigger than I thought. And, and initially I think for him, it was really overwhelming. And he's like, I don't even. I, get to that I don't even know if I can do that yeah. type thing. And then, and then we started to really kind of get into the details and just like again, week by week, see things, spot things. Um, and for him, we've actually had to like change, expand his pool a little bit, and just to make some slight adjustments. And again, expand his view of the game. But slowly, but shortly, by isolating specific skills, you can make that difference. You can get there. And he's he's chipping away and he's making amazing amazing progress. So at the start, it is going to be very overwhelming. If you're a master player and and you feel that difference, you versus a challenger player once, you'll be you'll be like, fuck this, it's not even possible. But you know, when you're saying like that, the small micro things, yes, that is that. But there's a reason they're thinking at a different level. They're thinking big picture about the game as well. That's right. They're yeah. anticipating everything that you're doing, mm-hmm. and sometimes it is the micro component, and maybe they are just better. Me- there is better. You can get okay. I don't like using the word mechanically because mechanically is such a a general word because inside of mechanics there is dodging patterns there is there is clicking there is tethering that stuff but it's it, you can get granular as, as granular as you want to get again so the way i view it is it's a very long-term journey and you got to view it in time spans of years not months no. right you're going to spend it, 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 we said this before like if someone is a very diligent student and really trying to climb it will be a year from say the start at zero lp it's a year from zero to, let's say four, five, five hundred, maybe. No, a year in my eyes, zero to two hundred, three hundred. Three hundred, okay. Another year, you're scraping 
six 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 hundred maybe. Yeah. Yep. Another year, you're not even you wouldn't even get one KLP probably, right? And then it, you might be another year in seven hundred LP. Another year, yeah, you could even stay at the same rank. Yeah. My point being is that it's to get low challenger from bottom of master for a diligent student. A lot of the time, it's multiple years, right? Some people make it faster than others. You know, there's always differences. But my point being is that you've got to think of it long term and you've got to enjoy it, and it is fun. It is like the most fun. So cool. Again, I say this time and time again, the start and the end of your journey are the most fun. So yes, it is possible. The only thing that, you know how we kind of spoke about ages ago, Nathan, we spoke about how it's not possible for everyone to get challenger. Yeah. The reason we said that, we say that is because it's, it's it's discipline and time and energy and and like how much you want it. Yeah, that most people shouldn't really have, to be honest, there's other things. That, That's right. Know, it's not, it's not necessarily the ability. It's mm. the... It's the dedication. Obsession. Obsession. And, and and so if you are obsessed and you really like it and you're having fun with it, you can get it. But it's just going to take a lot of time and a lot of energy. Mm. Um, I don't believe everyone can get like rank one, right? But I think everyone, like, if they are super obsessed, you know, they could they could probably get it. My, my point being here for him is he's got to really have a decision, like come down to the conclusion, okay, do I enjoy doing this? Am I having fun here solving these puzzles and getting into the details? Yes? Okay. Keep chipping away at it. No? Maybe there's something else you can maybe be doing. Does that answer the question? Um, I want to approach this specific narrative about making... He thinks that he makes one small mechanical make half a second late to a game. Like these, these are things losing him games. They're an element. It's good to focus on it, but no. That's like one, one little, little thing. thing. Yeah. One yeah. of the biggest thing for me as a jungler, me moving from master to, uh, you know, high GM challenger games is uh, learning a lot more about what my laners want to do and playing better mid games. Mm. Um, as well as, you know, learning, you know, what's a good gank, bad gank and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot more to it than... I'll speak of it through a mid lane perspective, right? So let's say there's a tribute skirmish. And let's say I'm versing a, a lower rated player and I get to the fight a little bit earlier. That that little thing there is the result of how they, what they do to level one. It can literally be as small as they were a little bit sloppy in the position level one. So I already got two auto attacks on the wave level one before they touched the wave. And that allows me to get level two first, which allows me to get the shove. Could be that. Or it could be um, they didn't use the threat of their abilities to create space, right? So I could walk up pretending I have my Sindri, I have my Sindri, but then I, I don't use it. And that allows me to create space, push them back, which gets the order. I get the extra orders on the way, which gives me shove, which gives me the mid-level advantage. Or it could be, it could be as big as I just dodge their abilities and they, they, um, they don't dodge my abilities. So what I'm saying is that there is always a reason why you're one second late or half a second late. It's the, it's the other things leading up to that point. And you either got to get into the details and really embrace those things or not. That's really up to you. So it can be little things, but it usually is the culmination of little things. But there's a reason those little things happen. And you've got to understand why those little things happen. And understand the chain series, the chain event of what led to that point. And that's where champion mastery really, really comes into play. God, I love champion mastery. That's right. All right. So I think that's it for that one. Um, that's it for the episode, Curtis. Great. Good work, guys. Let's keep on improving. Let's keep on three-blockering. Three-blockerinos. We're getting almost to halfway through the first part of the season. Yeah. I think well, not really. No, we're not. Isn't like 200 days left? No, Curtis. I think we're getting 100 approaching left? 100 days. So maybe we're getting close, Curtis. I think it ends June sometime there. All right. 
So yeah, just you know, chipping away, keep chipping, chipping away those three blocks, away. get those games in, develop the chip mastery, get into the details. We'll see you next time.